Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on The Basement Podcast. My name is Logan Blackman, of course, and this is the Logan Blackman Show Podcast. Not the regular show, not on 94.5 KLT, everything you and I. This is the Logan Blackman Show, brought to you by one and only Logan Blackman Show. Or brought to you by Logan Blackman. This is like in our little, like, in our YouTube videos... But the Logan Blackman Show presents, and then whatever, Logan Blackman Show presents the Logan Blackman Show. Yeah, I like that. I really like that. And if you're listening here on this Wednesday pre-noon edition of the Logan Blackman Show, on this May 13th edition of the Logan Blackman Show, it is 52 degrees and cloudy here in Urbandale with rain expected later in the day around 2 o'clock Thursday. Expect rain pretty much the entire day. Friday will be nice. 73 looks partly cloudy. And then Saturday we got another rainstorm coming in. But next week, next week's going to be nice. Next week's going to be a good one, guys. We got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, mostly sunny. And then Wednesday and Thursday, 82 degrees. We're getting closer to summer, ladies and gentlemen. It is getting closer and closer by the day, and it is getting awesome. If you're listening up in Cedar Falls, it's 57 and sunny right now. Wind is going to start picking up here around 11, and then rain expected to come around 4. And then much like here in Urbandale, it's going to rain pretty much all day on Thursday. So yeah, I hope you are enjoying your Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, or just enjoying your Wednesday, May 13th. But if you're not listening on May 13th, you're listening on some other day, I hope you're enjoying whatever day you are listening to this on. And we have a good show planned for you. We have a great show planned for everybody out there today. Got baseball. We got a rumored baseball, like the schedule, uh, what did they call it? The 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 project, like uh, the rules that they're trying to implement for the 2020 season. 82 game season and a lot of other things. And we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. We've also got our, as promised, quarterback rankings but it's a little different it is a little different than what you would think it's a little bit different tiny tiny little bit tiny little difference here it's it is a quarterback ranking but we did it in tiers but i'll explain that when that comes around we also got nfl awards to give out i realized we went through the entire nfl season they didn't give out any awards they didn't get an mvp Comeback player of the year, coach of the year, rookie of the year, all of that stuff. We didn't get any awards. And then my 10 most interesting teams going in to the 2020 season. Completely original idea. I know we are brimming with original content ideas every single time we do the Logan Blackman show. Right now it's 9.51. So let's just dive right in to our first talking point, baseball. And not the baseball you're thinking of. Not the MLB we are going to first talk about because I didn't think about this till now. Got to recap our KBO action that took place yesterday and today. As you remember, we didn't have any games on Sunday. So we were back in action yesterday. NC Dinos beat KT 7-6 after... Wait, what am I looking at? Oh, wait. No, I'm... I'm all screwed. I thought they played. Okay, never mind. Let's get back into NC beat KT 7-6. Kia beat Hanwa 2-1. Doosan beat 
beat Lot 11 to 6, Kiwoom beat Samsung 3 to 2, and LG beat SK 9 to 5. In the Doosan game, the highest scoring game of the week, Doosan got 20 hits on Lot in this game. This is Lot's first loss of the season. 5 and 1. 5 and 0 going into this game, leaving 5 and 1. Kim Jong Hwan, 4 hits, 4 RBIs, 3 runs, and a walk in the game for Doosan. 20 hits. Granted, Lote got 15 hits in the game, so 35 hits between the teams there. I would suspect that's the most hits of yesterday's action. We had the LG Twins getting 12 hits in 9 runs past a 1-win SK team. 5-9 to nine was the final score there for LG. The NC Dinos against KT. 7-6 to six was the final. A little bit closer than what the NC Dinos would have liked. KT 1-5. On the season, NC Dinos, of course, 5-1. A little bit closer than what they would have liked, but they got the W nonetheless. Going to today's action, Samsung beat Kiwoom 5-0. Kia beat Hanwha 4-3. Lote rebounded against Doosan, beating them 10-9. NC beat KT 5-4. And LG smacked SK 14-2. 12 hits in the game for LG, 10 in the game for SK, but they just weren't as, uh, what do you want to call it? They weren't as, I don't know, what do you want to say? Uh, not as lethal as LG's hits, I guess. In the game for LG, we had Ki, Kim Hwansoo, three hits, two RBIs in the game. Chae Hwansoo, three RBIs in the game, two hits on four at-bats. And then Park Young Tiak. Three RBIs in the game off of one hit in the game. Also got a base on balls in there as well. Doosan, as we said, gave Lote their first loss of the season in their last game. But then lost in this one 9-10. Much more improved game from Lote in this game. 12 hits from Lote as to 9 for Doosan. Also had two errors in this game. Sanha Suup, two hits at two at-bats. Two runs, three walks. And two RBIs in the game for him. A lot of walks in the game for Lotes in this game. We had Hyun Jung got a walk. Sun Ha Swoop had three walks, as we said. Lee Dae Ho had one. An Chi Hong had one. Uh, Dixon Machado, former Iowa Cub, had two walks in the game. Han Dong Hui had one as well. Like, there's just a not great pitching from the Doosan Bears. In that one, Lee Young Ha had six walks himself in the game. Six walked batters, three strikeouts in the game. Just not a great game, Doosan, for a little error prone in this game, which saw them lose the game 10-9. And the NC Dinos beat KT 5-1. Doosan remaining 6-1 on the season. 11 hits for the Dinos in the win there. We have games tomorrow morning, I guess. Same teams in the same town, same action. Kia versus Hanwha, Doosan versus Lote, Samsung versus Kiwoom, KT versus NC, and SK versus LG. We got a new series starting on Friday. Doosan will be taking on Kia this weekend, or come Friday, NC versus SK, Samsung versus KT, Kiwoom versus LG, and Lote versus Hanwha. Right now, four my Doosan Bears, they're playing Kia. As we said, Kia is 4-4 four four currently. 
beating Hanwha 4-3 in their last game. So that's who the Doosan Bears have next up on the schedule. And we said we were going to talk about more baseball. We've been talking about the KBO a lot as of late, obviously, because it's the only live sports that are on right now. But that will change this weekend with the Bundesliga starting up on Friday. So look out for that. That is going to be much watched television. A lot of viewership going towards the Bundesliga on Friday. Be very exciting. It's very exciting to have leagues come back. Slowly but surely, leagues are coming back. And the Bundesliga being the first one to come back. But there's been proposed ones all across the world. The NBA, they had a meeting. They are not voiding the season. The MLB has come up with different rule ideas to get the games underway. The MLB on Fox Sports last night tweeted out, MLB owner's proposal for the 2020 season, 82-game season beginning in July, universal DH 14 playoff teams, use of home stadium, Home stadiums must have local and state government approval. Thoughts. So we have 14 playoff teams. As of right now, we have 10. So this will get more teams in the playoffs, I guess. If you want that, it's like the NFL. Get new teams in the playoffs this year. So just have two more teams from each league go in. So you'd have like a, like, I don't know, maybe like the Reds. They're just on the outside looking in. And then they go in from the 14-game playoff series and become just go into the playoffs. It's just like the seven game. There's a lot of seven-ranked teams in the NFL that, um, oh, geez. Okay, this is a little random. This is really random, but I just updated my Twitter account, and the Rams have released their uniforms 31 seconds ago. The LA Rams have released their new uniforms. And, um, I mean, they're pretty much like the LA uniforms that they used to have. Same color scheme and all that. The numbers are a little weird. This is literally like a minute ago now. I just, this is not what I plan to talk about. But uh, the Rams home uniforms, I love them. The away ones look like a gray, like white gray uniform color scheme or something. Andrew Siciliano from the NFL Network. Yeah, they're like gray. The Rams away uniforms are. They got an LA Rams patch on the side of them. Um, the numbers are like a little gradient thing. I'm not a fan of gradient. I'm not. I've never been a fan of gradient looks. It just doesn't look that good. It, at least to me, it looks cheap for an NFL team like the Falcons. Um, Manchester United did a gradient thing a few years ago with the black and red, and it looks stupid. And now you got this, which uh. I mean, it's what we wanted as a uniform. I mean, you wanted the the L.A. Rams original, uh, not, the, the uniforms that won them the Super Bowl. You wanted those uniforms back. At least I did. I don't know what everybody else wanted, but they look like that. So, yeah, they're decent. They got the new Rams logo on the inside. They got the L.A. on the backside of it. I'm not a fan of the gray uniforms, though, and if you look at the sleeve, the sleeves got a, a white horn on the side with a, a yellow outline or something like that. I don't know. They're they're decent. I don't know. I would I I'm more of a fan of the home ones than the away ones by a lot. I don't like that they're not white. They're like a, it's a weird gray color. I don't know. They're gray. 
but I like them. I do like the uniforms. I'm glad they went back to the the royal blue look, the which the uniforms they won the Super Bowl in. They also released a little hype video, as most teams do when they release new uniforms. So yeah, they got royal on royal. Right, let's see what they call these colors, okay? Royal on yellow, royal on royal, bone on bone, <laughs> bone. So it's like. I don't know. Bone on bone. That is the official color of the LA Rams. Royal, yellow, and bone. It's a interesting choice of color there. <laughs> but hey, you know what? I credit them for getting rid of the navy blue uniforms. So we'll give them a solid score here. I think the Chargers one still is the best. But they're solid. They're pretty solid. I mean... Uh, I'm not a massive fan of them. Let's just put it like that. But yeah, I'll retweet Andrew Siciliano's tweet just so... Because that one you can look at all the uniforms. You get a jersey look at it. And look at all the details in the jersey. I'm just not a fan of the bone-colored <laughs> scheme that they they have on there. But you know what? It's whatever. I love that that was that the first thing I looked at when I opened up Twitter was the Rams and uniforms. We've been wondering when those stupid things were going to get released for a while now but now they're actually released but back to baseball we're, we'll talk about football again in a little bit this was just a random thing that just popped up in my timeline so I had to talk about it a little bit but yeah new rule proposals for the 2020 season 82 games universal DH 14 playoff teams use of home stadium so do we like the new rules do we like these I'm cool with the 82 games. It's a lot shorter than the 160 games, <laughs> around 160 games they play a year anyways. Nice little deduction there, which I love baseball, but that's a lot of games. Uh, Universal DH, um, I'm 50-50 on this because I like seeing pitchers who can hit a baseball really, really well, but then again, that's just a, if you get us to a certain pitch, sometimes it's a guaranteed strikeout and they're not going to take the bat off their shoulder or it's a bunt. That's getting baseball in the NL if you do throw in the DH there because there are certain pitchers that hit, but there are more of them that don't. Or when they hit a home run. Like when John Lester hits a ball, everybody cheer. Like it's one of the funniest things ever. Like I love it's pitchers are like kickers in football. Like every time they do something that a normal player does, it's like awesome. Or a punter, more a punter. Like if a punter lays out somebody, it's awesome. Like oh my god, they just laid out somebody. Even if it's not really laying out somebody, it's just tackling them. Everybody goes crazy when a pitcher gets a double or smacks a home run, it's one of the greatest things of all time. I like that aspect of it, but it, again, if you want to have more fun baseball with great, at least they weren't last year, especially for the really bad teams like the Orioles or the Padres who aren't even... I don't think they're going to be that bad this year, but but 
that will make for more exciting baseball. But as you read the, geez, as you read through the comments of the tweet from MLB on Fox. I'm fine with it except the 14 playoff teams. Um, yeah. So it's just like, you. there's a lot of mixed feelings about this. Like someone just said, fine, hate, hate, fine, but there won't be any games in California because Newsom won't allow it. So like the universal DH and the 14 playoff teams are things that fans don't really like. We can get around the 82 games. The home stadiums is what everybody wants. And we just... Uh, the universal DH is a ta- is a big talking point because there's those old school fans that it's a it's big it's we need our DH in there we need our no we need our pitchers batting it's a a factor of baseball. But then you got people who I want more exciting baseball. Well, we'll have, time will tell. Time will tell. It will be weird though going into a Cubs Cardinals game and not seeing a pitcher mat- like batting there. Like Flaherty versus Lester, and neither one of them are batting. It's going to look kind of weird for an all NL matchup, but that might be where the future goes in baseball. They're always trying to get more exciting. Look at last year. Teams were smashing home runs at like a historic pace, and it was so exciting to watch. So baseball's trying to get into that realm of let's make this more exciting. I think that's why they're looking at the universal DH for all teams. Throughout baseball, not just the AL. But again, we'll have to wait and see on that. So those are your new rule proposals by the MLB owners. And that's what MLB on Fox tweeted. You can go look at that. See what they have to say. We'll have an answer for the MLB season coming up soon. Because it makes sense they'd start in June. Because they still have to get... They didn't even get through their first round of cuts. Their first round of moving players around the lower leagues at all. We didn't get to that level yet. So we still need to do that. We were just starting spring training and then everything just went downhill from there. But be, just because there's no baseball right now doesn't mean we can't make predictions for what will happen for the upcoming baseball season. We do this at the start of the year, opening day. This is what we did last year. And we've done this. I think every single year on the Logan Blackman show is go through and give our division winners our wildcard teams, our playoff matchups, wins, like that. And for this one, we're just going to do the, how uh, do we want to, I, do I want to do the 14 playoff team? I add two more teams. Put my microphone up. I'm going to add, Two more teams to the AL. That, and yeah, we'll see how this goes. So, quick break here on the Logan Blackman show. We'll come back. I'll have my fully new. Updated for you. And we'll come back shortly with our new and improved playoff system and new and improved standings and all of that great stuff coming up right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I've noticed, so I was trying to upload the the last section onto our little document where we usually, where we edit the show and put it up, and it cut out a lot 
randomly towards the end of the thing. So hopefully that doesn't happen today or happen on this one. I think it was a save thing that went wrong with Audacity, but everything's fine now. It looks like as I'm watching the recording right now and everything looks in, look is looking very, very smooth. And yeah, we got our new MLB predictions out. We made our 14 team playoff and I like it. But before we go to that, I've just been seeing this all over Twitter Chargers jerseys greater than the Rams ones, and I could not agree more. It's not really close. Uh, the bone jerseys, I just don't like them. I just don't. I'm not a fan of the bone jerseys. I'm not a fan of the gradient numbers. I'm not a fan of the the texture in the numbers, especially on the bone jerseys. Like someone said this on Twitter, the Aaron Donald jersey, the Donald jersey legit may be the worst I've ever seen. Numbers look like the writing on them, writing on an ice cream cake. And it does, like, the little textures in the jerseys, I'm not a fan of them. And then the helmets, uh, I like the helmets. The helmets are cool. They're royal blue. They're really glossy. The horn's pretty cool on the side of the helmet. They got that little uh, indent in the horn like they have on the logo. I like the helmets. Got the blue face mask. Got everything. I like them. I like the helmets more than the jerseys. But to be honest, there's really no comparison between the Rams and the Chargers ones. The Rams should just completely change, like the Browns and the, who else changed their uniforms to back to their older ones? Oh, crap. I forgot who all changed their uniforms. Well, the Chargers, to a certain extent. Who else changed their uniforms? There was one more team. Except Falcons, Patriots. Oh, the Buccaneers. I forgot about the Buccaneers. They should have just done that. And just gone back to the retro uniforms that they've been rocking, like in the Super Bowl. The past Super Bowl with the Patriots. And... I don't want to, like, they're trying it. They did, it looks like they did too much, really. And they got a little patch on the left shoulder that reads Los Angeles Rams, like a little tag thing or something. I don't know. It's a, it's an acquired taste, I would imagine. I personally am not a fan of it, but I can see where people would like them. I like the royal blue ones a lot more than the bone ones. I hate the bone uniforms. I didn't even know what that, I didn't even know it was a color until, what, half hour ago. So, yeah, I put a poll on Twitter just a little bit ago of, do you like the new Rams uniforms? Do you love them, hate them, whatever, no comment. He just disliked them that much. But, yeah, we'll see what people think about the new Rams uniforms. And we'll move forward from there. I think I should have added, like, a picture or something at the bottom of them, but regardless, that's, we, we, their uniforms are up, the poll is up, go vote on the poll, which I'm, you're not going to be hearing this live, so <laughs> you're going to have to wait a little bit to go on the poll, if you're, if you're not following me on Twitter, but right now we have two votes, they're all right, and don't like them, are reigning supreme over the other votes, but yeah, I'm going to add a picture right now, I'm taking a the pictures from Andrew Siciliano's Twitter, just taking the front sides of the uniforms. And so if you don't know what they look like, we'll just post a quick little picture. Doot, doot. Add tweet. All right. So now you can scroll down a little bit. If you don't know what the uniforms look like, so you don't need to think you just need to do it. And yeah. So I hope you all go and vote on that. I personally, again, not a massive fan of them, but that's just me. You could be, you could like them if you do. I don't really, you, you can choose whatever you want. I don't really care, but 
Yeah. And as as I was on Twitter a little bit ago, the MLB has pretty much the players voted, and it looks like the Universal DH is going to pass. So we will have that in the near future. Whether that is just this year's thing or a forever thing, John Heyman tweeted out a little bit ago, Universal DH proposed by the MLB, expected to be easily approved by the players who long favored this idea. It won't impact finances in 2020, but could boost pay for select few in 2021 on better stats. So you would see, like Kyle Schwarber will have a guaranteed spot all the time on the Cubs roster, because he'll always be the DH. He has lost weight to get better in the field, but he's still a powerful at bat, which would thrive as a DH, I believe, which would allow the Cubs to get a more natural left fielder to sure up their defense out in the outfield. Because as of right now, the Cubs' defense in the outfield is pretty solid. Hayward, gold glove contender every year. Alvaro Mora, one of the most underrated defenders in the MLB. And then Kyle Schwarber, who's gotten better as time has gone on in his time in the outfield but I think they could get someone better. I think if they all push for this all the time, try to get Nolan Arenado from the Rockies and move Bryant to the outfield. I think that would work perfectly. And statistically, last season, Javier Baez was, and I think is, the best defender in baseball. So you have Javier Baez at shortstop, and then Nolan Arenado at third. You have the best defending that side of the infield in the entire league, not even close. Arenado and Javier Baez. That is a beautiful defensive pairing on that side of the field with geez, I can't oh just makes me it just makes you drool, doesn't it? As a fan. And then you got your first and second base Rizzo, very underrated athleticism at first base. And whoever the Cubs want to throw at second base. I would I'm still dreaming for a Whit Merrifield. And getting a Whit Merrifield would also allow him to play in the outfield as well. So that's the dream. Merrifield and Nolan Arenado are my dream signings or trades for the Chicago Cubs. Just get them at all costs. Rotate Ian Happ and Albert Amora in the outfield, and then you can have something special there on this team, which I think will still have some success this year, but not as, not to their full potential. And we will also have to wait and see, speaking on Javier Baez and Chris Bryant, when the contracts will be signed. Javier Baez is expected to get a monster contract, at least expected by me. I don't know if it's expected by the media, Javier Baez is going to be the highest paid player on the Chicago Cubs. He is the face of the franchise right now. And it's a sad thing for Chris Bryant, but it's true. Javier Baez is. And I said this to my dad and friends numerous times throughout the 2016 season that Javier Baez, if he gets his swing down, can be one of the best players in baseball. He's got the swag. He's got the defensive capabilities. He just needs to get his swinging down. He's gotten that, and he's finished as high as second in the MVP voting. Javier Baez is an absolute beast. Loved him in Iowa. Loved him as soon as he got called up to the majors. Felt bad for him because he couldn't get his swing down, and now he's got that figured out, and I love him even more. And I got a shirt when I was in Chicago last time. I liked Javier Baez before it was cool, and I stand by that because I did. (laughs) I did. And now we're going into this season. Expectations for Cubs are teeter-tottering on zero expectations, or this team has all the talent in the world and should be going to the World Series every single year. The likes of Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, and Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Hendricks, a, a much improved Hugh Darvish, and hopefully a much improved Craig Kimbrell. 
you expect the Cubs to be competing next year to a certain extent. So with that being said, let's go through my 2020 MLB predictions. This was the 82-game season and 14-game schedule. I haven't. I don't know if the division changes are going to be a thing. They didn't sound like it through the tweets I saw. So this is just the AL East, AL Central, AL West, and the same thing for the NL. So we're just going to go through division winners and the four wildcard teams. Because, again, this is 14 playoff teams. And in this format, it will be the number one and two wildcard teams play each other. Then the two seed will play the four seed, which will be the wildcard spot. And then the three seed will play the third wildcard spot, if I read that right on Google today. When I was upstairs going to the bathroom, I think that's how I read it. Just to, just to check again, I'm going to see if I got this right. Wild card four versus D2, three, D winner three. I got that right, right? Wild card one versus one. Okay, yes, I got that right. So here we go. For the AL East, uh, I think it's the Yankees division to lose. You look at what the Yankees did this offseason, getting the big arm of Garrett Cole, which was is huge. For their starting rotation, you know, Luis Severino stays healthy. You just for Yankees and their fans, you just need them to stay healthy. Stanton hasn't been healthy. Aaron Judge hasn't been healthy. Aaron Hicks wasn't healthy. You had DJ LeMahieu dominated last year. Garrett Cole, James Paxson, Tanaka, Hap. You got all these start. Rollis Chapman still there. Gliber Torres. Like you got a very good rock. Gary Sanchez didn't even mention him. I think this is the Yankees division to lose. And then you got other teams in the division, like the Red Sox, who got worse this offseason, lost Mookie Betts this offseason, which is a huge blow for them. They did get Alex Verdugo. We'll see how he develops out in the outfield, which they could still push teams a little bit. They still, they're not terrible, but their pitching was not great last year. So we'll have to just see how Verdugo does sliding into that Mookie Betts role in right field. Very talented young player. We'll have to wait and see if he develops into that forever right fielder to replace a very good top five player in baseball in Mookie Betts. Then you got the Orioles, uh, who are going to be one of the worst teams in the baseball again. They might be improved a little bit, but don't expect a lot from them. And the Blue Jays got a lot of young players on their roster. Bo Pichette, uh, Guerrero, uh, crap i've bgo you got some good talented young players on that team to build your team around so we'll see how they develop in this year i don't think they'll do anything this season but they could push some people ryu they got him from los angeles that was a big get from them so we'll see how the blue jays do but i think a fourth place finish for them is in the works and the rays they're going to be pushing the yankees some people have them as a dark horse to win the division you still got morton blake snell glass now like you got some very talented pitchers in there. You had a very good team last year. You had Yandy Diaz, G-Man Choi, Willie Adams, Austin Meadows was a beast last year. You got Hunter Renfro from San Diego. You got some good pieces there. See if Kevin Kiermeyer can fully come back. Injury prone is a big thing for him. If he can stay healthy, he's a very good player, very good defender. Also see if Joey Wendell can get healthy as well. Was one of the best young shortstops the season prior to last year see if he can fully stay healthy he lost his spot last year see if he can get it back this year but the Yankees it's their division to lose and I have them winning that one outright that's not saying there's not any teams from the AL East in the wild card spot we do have 
the Tampa Bay Rays as our number one wild card spot. I think they can push the Yankees. I don't think they'll outright beat the Yankees for the division title. I do think they will definitely push them, so I have them in one of the four wild card spots. Moving over to the Central, the Minnesota Twins won it last year by just smashing the crap out of the baseball. I think they'll do the same thing again this year. Miguel Sano, Luis Arias, Josh Donaldson, they got him from Atlanta this offseason. Jorge Polanco, Eddie Rosario, Brian Buxton, Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, Nelson Cruz. They'll just smash the crap out of the baseball. I think they'll do the same thing again. Kent Ameda from Los Angeles, they got him in there. So we'll see how they do. I, the Twins, I have them winning the division. Again, I had them winning it last year. They did, so I have them doing it again. As far as the rest of the Central goes for the AL, uh, Tigers and Royals, one of the two of the worst teams in baseball, will continue to be that for the foreseeable future. Uh, the Indians, it'll be interesting to see what the Indians do this year. Lost some pitching help this year. Still got Clevenger, got Shane Bieber there. They got Carrasco back. So we'll see how they do. There's a lot of people are expecting a big year from Shane Bieber. A lot, Some people have had him winning the AL Cy Young Award this year. Going to want a full season from Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. But I don't know. It's going to be a hard season for them. Framil Reyes in the outfield could provide some pop there. But I don't have them in the wild card. I have actually the Chicago White Sox pipping the Cleveland Indians for that last wild card spot. Luis Robert out in center field is one of the favorites to win the AL Rookie of the Year. They got Nomar Mazzara from Texas. They got Edwin Encarnacion. They got Aloy Jimenez, one of the best young players in baseball. Tim Anderson, one of the best shortstops in baseball. Yohan Mankata, one of the most underrated players in baseball. Got Yasmani Grandal from Milwaukee. Luis Giolito is pr- proving to be a legit ace in this league. Got Dallas Keuchel from Atlanta as well. We got a lot of good pieces in the offseason, and I expect them to be much, much improved. And Nick Madrigal is gonna is slotted in according to ESPN as their starting second baseman. Another rookie in there. You got Lurie Garcia, who's a very good utility player. Adam Engel can provide a lot of speed. James McCann had a very good season last year. Will be relegated to the backup catcher role and a lot of DHing stuff as well, but still a very good option off the bench. The White Sox have a lot of good pieces. Jose Abreu is still there as well. I don't think we mentioned him or not. But they have pieces to be a sneaky team this year. Moncada and Tim Anderson, two of the best young players in all of baseball. Tim Anderson really put himself on the map last year by just lighting it up. A 335 batting average, which led the AL, had 18 home runs and 56 RBIs. But that 335 batting average was huge. He'll probably lead off the batting order this year. Him and Mankato will probably rotate the batting order spots this year at the top of the lineup. Eloy Jimenez will make Cubs fans feel sick to their stomachs probably every single time he steps to the plate. But he's still very, very talented, and it's sad that he's going to be doing that for the White Sox. But I have them pipping the Indians for a wild card spot there. So we have we revealed four playoff teams so far, and now we'll move on to AL West, which pains me to say but the Houston Astros will probably still win the ALS expecting um their batting average numbers to drop a little bit maybe not insanely but a little bit because you still Bregman Altuve Correa are still very talented players Michael Brantley was a very good player before he came to Houston so expect these guys to still be good they still got a lot of talent on this roster 
just because they cheated last year the, for, for years past, they're still going to be a good team. And it pains me to say that, but they will. You got Springer, Brantley, Correa, Bregman, Altuve, Gurriel's a decent first baseman, Josh Reddick, Jordan Alvarez, who won Rookie of the Year last year. They're still a very talented team. Justin Verlander, reigning Cy Young winner, Zach Grinke, Lance McCullers. They've got a good team. They're going to win the division. The AL, the AL West has never been the strongest division in baseball. So, yeah, the Astros will go out on top this one. As far as the rest of them go, let's go with the Rangers first. Start off with them. Going into a new stadium this year, new dome stadium, or like retractable roof stadium. You got Corey Kluber this offseason to help improve your starting rotation there. Robertson Trinos is back in Texas, back in Dallas for that. Todd Frazier will be your first baseman rotating with Ronald Guzman. You would expect Rognan Odor, Elvis Andrews, veteran, Texas Rangers legend. Uh, Joey Gallo, a lot will be riding on his shoulders here now with Nomar Mazzaro now in Chicago on the south side. So a lot of the team's success will be riding on Joey Gallo's shoulders. I just don't think they have enough to push for a playoff spot this year. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. And the perennial underachievers and always the team that chokes at random times throughout the season, the Seattle Mariners. They'll be one of the worst teams in baseball this year. I'm fairly confident in saying that. You look at their roster, it's nothing really spectacular. Mitch Haniger, Kyle Seeger, that's about it. Carl Edwards Jr., Tywan Walker was supposed to go to Chicago, but he went from Arizona to Seattle. We got Kendall Graveman, Marco Gonzalez looks like to be their ace this year. I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't know what they're going to do. I think they're going to be a very bad team, <laughs> but might not, might not be as bad as what we're originally suspecting, but I'm, they're going to be pretty bad. Going on, continuing with the AL West, the Oakland Athletics, they're a perennial playoff team. They're always sniffing around the playoff spots, and they're going to be back there again. In the wildcard spots, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, the Matt brothers, Marcus Simeon, was third place in the AL MVP voting last year. Mark Conha will provide some power in the outfield. Ramon Leakes, I've never been able to say is Loriano. Out in center field, Steven Piscotti, Chris Davis, one of the best power hitters in baseball. Sean Mania will have a full season this year. Yeah, they're going to be around the playoffs. They'll make the playoffs. The, the A's are a perennial playoff team all the time, especially with Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, and Marcus Simeon still kicking it. They'll be around the playoffs. And the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I have them as the other and final wild card spot again the wild card spots i didn't reveal in any order i just went through the divisions the what they're gonna be up there this year there i refuse to believe the angels will not be a playoff team this year they always underachieve i think they could actually make the playoffs this year i know expanded playoffs makes it easier for teams like this to make it and they got anthony rendon who had an amazing season last year for the Washington Nationals, helping them get to their first ever World Series title. Mike Trout, the best player in all of baseball, is there still. Justin Upton, Andrelton Simmons, Tommy LaStella, Albert Poole still has some power left in him. Jason Castro, you got Shohei Otani, hopefully for a full season this year. Brian Goodwin's still there in the outfield as well. Julio Tejeron's there, Andrew Heaney. So you're just hoping these guys do live up to their potential pretty much that's just what you're hoping there for if you're los angeles angels of anaheim fan 
You're just hoping and praying that, hey, maybe, just maybe, we might actually not waste Mike Trout's career in Los Angeles. You also got a young prospect in Joe Adele, Jordan Adele, coming up through the minor leagues this year, six foot two, 208 pounds, be a very good piece for the Angels outfield, which would be very, very nice for them. Getting another piece in there, a very good young piece to help out with Mike Trout, which is just what Mike Trout needs. He just needs some help. Come on, help him out. Now, when he gets called up, I don't know. That could be this year. could be next year. We'll have to wait and see on that. But while he was in the minor leagues last year, he hit a high 308 while playing in double A, hit 264 while in AAA, played, um, how many games did he play? 27 games in AAA last year, 43 in double A. He just kept moving up the ranks last year. Start off in fall ball, A play, moved up a league, moved up to double A, moved up to AAA. You would expect him to just move right up to the majors this year. He doesn't have a lot of power. His most home runs he hit was in 2018 where he had 20 home runs between three teams. So we'll have to see what his power holds, but he should be a very, very nice piece to the Angels. Outfield 289 total between those teams last year, 10 home runs, 36 RBIs and seven stolen bases and 30 walks as well. Get another piece for the outfield. You should expect the Angels to be up there with some of the best, better, not best, better teams in the AL. So those were my playoff teams. Our division winners for the AL, Yankees, Twins, and Astros. Followed by, now we'll go in order. The Rays are going to be my number one wildcard team. I think that's obvious. I think out of the remaining teams here, they are the best wildcard team. Then I'm going to have the Angels followed by the A's. You can rotate either one of those two, A's or A's or Angels. And then the Chicago White Sox as our last wild card team squeaking into the playoffs just above the Cleveland Indians and the Boston Red Sox. Those are my two teams I just missed out on the playoffs. But those are my AL teams. Moving over to the NL, NL East. This is probably, as of right now, the toughest division in baseball. I got a lot of talent between four of the five teams in this division. Between the Braves, Mets, Phillies, and Nationals, a lot of expectations are going to be riding for these teams this year. The Mets had one of the best power-hitting teams in the league last year, one of the best run-scoring teams, led by Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil. You also got the two-time reigning Cy Young Award winner, Jake DeGrom, the best pitcher in the NL. See if you can make it three times in a row. Last pitcher to do that was Randy Johnson in the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, The Phillies, every Bryce Harper's there. If Bryce Harper's there, hype will follow the Philadelphia Phillies. Then you got the Washington Nationals, who just won the World Series. A lot of hype's going to be around them as well, but the division winner is going to be the Atlanta Braves. As far as talent goes, they have the most of it out of anybody, arguably, in the NL. Out of young talent, they have a lot of it. Ronald Acuna, uh, Dansby Swanson, Ozzie Albies, Austin Riley is going to be a good young piece there. Freddie Freeman, the legend, the Atlanta legend there. They got Marcelo Zuna from St. Louis there. We'll move Nick Marcakis to more of a uh, second-tier role. They got Mike Soroka, who is one of the best young pitchers in baseball at a 268 ERA last year, which ranked fifth in the NL. He will, he will be their ace this year. Got Cole Hamels from the Chicago Cubs as well. 
And I don't know if they got Will Smith this year or they got him last year from the San Francisco Giants. Well, he's going to be one of their closers. Let's just put it like that. So the Braves, I think it's crazy to think they won't win the division this year. They are still the best team in the AL East. Even though the Nationals won the World Series last year, the Braves are a better team based off of who they lost, who they gained this offseason. I think the Braves are still the best team there. But the Nationals, I do have them making the playoffs this year. They won the World Series with great pitching. In a shortened season, great pitching will get you very, very far. Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, Anibal Sanchez. You got all these people there that will make this team go. You got Eric Thames from Milwaukee this offseason. You lost Anthony Rendon. You got Carter Kaiboom, who will hopefully push up the Nationals this year and not bring them down and not losing Anthony Rendon will bring them down a lot. Hopefully for their sake, it doesn't. You see what they did last year, losing Bryce Harper. They went on the winner world series, replaced him seamlessly with Victor Robles. Now you go into this season, lost Anthony Rendon. Carter Kaiboom will be hopefully your guy to replace Rendon. You also got Starlin Castro from Miami. You improved that second base spot. Howie Kendrick still there. Very versatile player. Trey Turner, one of the best shortstops in baseball. Juan Soto, one of the best players, young players in baseball. And I mean, a very consistent right fielder there for the Nationals. And Victor Robles is still there as well. They will be pushing the Braves a lot. But I just have the Braves winning that division this year. I'm not overlooking the Nationals as much as I did last year because I just completely wrote them off without Bryce Harper. But I'm not going to do that this year. They're a very talented team still even without Bryce Harper and without Anthony Rendon. Then you move on to keeping in the NL East, the New York Mets. The Mets are going to be without Noah Syndergaard. They lost Blake Wheeler as well, which are two very big losses. Nick Wheeler to the Phillies, Noah Syndergaard to the Tommy John surgery. So now you got Jacob DeGrom and Marcus Struman, who a lot of people inside the Mets organization think Struman could beat out DeGrom for the Cy Young Award this year, which I think is just a tactic to motivate Jacob DeGrom into being a way better version than what he already is, which just should be scary for everybody else. You know, Edwin Diaz returns the form this year. He had a very poor season last year, closing for the New York Mets. And you hope all the rest of their new signings from last year improve. Wilson Ramos, Robinson Cano, you just hope these guys improve off last year. Ioannis Cespedes, if win the NL, it's not really an if anymore, it's a win, the NL moves to the DH. Cespedes will be the perfect guy for the New York Mets if he stays healthy. They didn't play a game last year, if I remember right. So going into this season, you would hope that he is healthy. And if he is, that provides a huge spark for the New York Mets. Cespedes breaks silence, aims for opening day. That was three months ago. Opening day is not until projected July, so he should be fine going into the season. But a couple with that, Pete Alonso, reigning rookie of the year, 50 home runs last year. Jeff McNeil, one of the best uh, average hitting guys in the in the MLB, 318 last year, hit 23 home runs, 75 RBIs. Very versatile player, can play in the outfield, can play third base, can play second base, can play everywhere. He's a very versatile player and very key to the success of the New York Mets. J.D. Davis as well had a very good year last year. Brandon Nimmo. Michael Conferto, Ahmad Rosario, 
You got some very, very good players there in New York, and you just hope that they can live up to their potential. They have talent. See how far talent can get them. I do have them in the playoffs as well. And then what? Another NL East team, the Philadelphia Phillies. What are you guys doing here? And yeah, they're gonna. I think they can push for the playoffs with the expanded playoffs. I don't think there's no there's no reason they should not be making the playoffs. Joe Girardi's coming in as their new manager. You got Blake Zach Wheeler, not Blake Wheeler. He plays for the Winnipeg Jets. Zach Wheeler. Now in your starting rotation, JT Realmuto. You hope he becomes a. You hope he continues on being one of the best catchers in baseball. Got Didi Gregorius in there. Very good left-handed hitting shortstop. Their loss is spot in New York because of their rival of DJ LeMayhew. Gliber Torres moved to second, moved to shortstop, which made Didi expendable. So now he's gone. Andrew McCutcheon, you hope he's there for a full season. Got hurt last year. And Bryce Harper, you just hope he returns to form. Got a young Adam Hassley there in center field. Hope he provides some more pop in his bat this year. Scott Kringery, a very versatile player. Gene Segura will move over to third base, it looks like. They got some young players as well in their minor league system. So look out for those little guys as well. Because they could make some noise this year for the Philadelphia Phillies as well. I'm I'm completely blanking on their one their third base prospect. Oh crap, what was his name? I need to find this before I move on because. It's going to eat at me for a while now. Come on, where's their roster? There it is. Is he going to be on here? Of course. Now, why would he be on there? (laughs) Why would he be on there? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, Alec Baum. There he is. Uh, Young third base prospect, 23 years old. He will be, you would expect him to be moving up in the majors sometime soon. Third overall draft pick back in 2018. He'll make some noise in the Phillies roster. See what they do there. Maybe move Segura to second and Baum to third. We'll have to wait and see for that, but they've got talent. I think they could definitely push for a playoff spot if they meet their potential. So that's four teams from the NL East making the playoffs. Sorry, Miami, but you guys might be a little bit better than what you were last year, but that's not really saying a lot. It's not very hard to do, but you'll still suck. You guys are going to be terrible again. I don't know what the future holds for the Miami Marlins, but as of right now, it don't look great. For the NL Central... Uh, the Cubs, I have them regaining the NL Central crown after a terrible season last year by what this team's standards are held to. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible year. And you expect them to be much improved this year. Nico Horner looks to be the everyday second baseman for the Cubs going into the season. I would personally like him to start off in AAA, but we'll have to wait and see. The Cubs' plan looks to bring in Jason Kipnis and have them play left versus right-handed pitching to ease Horner into that everyday starting role. Kipnis, a guy that's been there, done that, will be a great mentor for Nico Horner. Also at second, you got David Bode, a very versatile player, who will be an integral part to this team as well. Second base is the biggest question mark for the Chicago Cubs this year. There's a lot of people that could take the starting role, but do we really believe that these guys are the everyday starters or deserve to be the everyday starters? Not really. Horner's still young. I love David Bodie, but he's a good backup option. Kipnis had a very bad year last year. See if he can get back to semi-normality. Daniel Descalso don't want him starting. And Ian Happ has basically just transitioned to the outfield. He's not a, he's not an infielder anymore. So, 
yeah, that's your second base. That's the biggest question mark. Catcher, Contreras, best catcher in the NL. Anthony Rizzo at first base. You have Victor Caratini backing him up there. Very good option there. Caratini also the backup catcher, one of the best backups in all of baseball. Be very good trade bait, switch hitting, talented catcher that just won't get any playing time while he's in Chicago. Chris Bryant, former MVP, former rookie of the year, World Series champ. Like Chris Bryant, I hope he gets fully back this year. He had a very good year last year. He had a very he had a good year last year. He did. 282, 31 home runs, 77 RBIs. Just a good year last year, but we're going to need him to step up a lot going into this year. We expect a little bit of a, a down year for him because he was coming off the injuries, but hopefully he gets fully back this year. And Javier Baez, what can, what hasn't been said about Javier Baez? Do you see what happened to the Cubs last year when he wasn't playing? They just completely fell apart. He didn't play a lot in the last half, the second half of the season. He didn't play a lot at that point. The Cubs need him all the time in their, in their lineup to be successful. You got an outfield of Schwarber, Happ, and Hayward. That looks to be the favored outfield this year. Chris Bryant will be leading off this year. I love that from the Chicago Cubs. Leading off with Chris Bryant, following up with Anthony Rizzo. I love that strategy from new manager David Ross. See how the pitching does. Rowan Wick, Jeremy Jeffress. Jeremy Jeffress added in this offseason. Hopefully he can add a little bit of spark to the Cubs bullpen. Craig Kimbrell, hopefully he comes back to form. He didn't have a a spring training last year. Came in right in the middle of the first half of the season. You could tell. He did not play great last year. Hopefully he'll get back to that. And I expect Hugh Darvish to continue his hot form from last year. He was one of the top in the NL in strikeouts last year. Hopefully he continues on that. Hendricks, one of my favorite players on the Cubs. John Lester, hopefully he has a bounce back year. I just don't like that Tyler Chatwood is the fifth in the rotation. I loved him in the bullpen last year. As a starting pitcher, he scares me. So we'll see how that goes by. I still have the Cubs winning the division. Talent-wise, it's very hard to match what the Cubs have just as long as they live up to their potential. I think that's why the Cubs win the division. As regards to the rest of the division, the Cardinals and Brewers didn't really add anybody. They just lost people. To be 100% honest, they didn't they didn't gain anybody. Who did the Cardinals gain? They just lost Ozuna and didn't gain anything. Really, Matt Carmen had a very bad year last year. Yadier Molina is older, which will make, see how he does this year. Paul Goldschmidt will be is still a good piece. Colton Wong had a good season last year. But I don't know. Them and the Brewers, as we said, did not add anybody. Brewers lost Yasmani Grandal, one of the best catchers in the NL, and replaced him with Omar Navarez. They got Justin Smoke this year, replacing Eric Thames. Be a good option at first base. Keston Huria, see how he does at second. Eric Sogard is a decent at best option at third base. Outfield's still good. Yelich, Kane, and Braun, but I don't know. I don't think the Brewers will be pushing for that last playoff spot. And uh, I'm not even going to talk about the Pirates. I think the Reds pip the rest of the NL Central for that last playoff spot. The pieces they've added this year have been very, very nice. Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer still there. You got Tucker Barnhart. You had Mike Moustakis and Nicholas Castellanos from the Chicago Cubs, which really pained a lot of Cubs fans. 
Shogo Akiyama is going to be a new piece this season. Left-handed hitter from Japan. Experienced Japanese player. 32 years old. For Reds fans, you would hope that he has success this year, I guess. Eugenio Suarez, you hope he's back and fully healthy this year. So, yeah, that's what it looks like for the Cincinnati Reds. Got a a few talented players this offseason. See if they actually live up to expectations. But I have them pipping the Cardinals for that last wild card spot. Them and the Brewers. It's going to be close. It's going to be close between those teams. But I'm going to go with the Reds there. And again, I'm not even going to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. The NL West, I, this is the le- the division we need to talk about the least. The Dodgers are going to win it. I mean, wh- wh- who's going to challenge them? Nobody. I don't think there's a team in that division that can challenge the Los Angeles Dodgers. I really don't think there's a team in the NL outside of maybe the Braves that can challenge the Dodgers. Maybe the Nationals, because they did it last year. Kershaw, Walker Bueller. They got David Price. Hopefully, he bounces back for Dodgers fans' sake. Blake Trayan. I've never been. Trayan. Never been able to pronounce his name. Kenley Jansen's still there. Uh, Will Smith will be the everyday catcher there. Young catcher. Gavin Lux, one of the favorites to win Rookie of the Year for the NL. At second base. Very good hitter there at second. Jock Peterson. Cody Bellinger. Mookie Betts. A.J. Pollock. Corey Seager. Justin Turner. Where do you want me to stop? No one's challenging this team in the NL, to be realistic. It, it, I just don't see it. The Diamondbacks have some decent pieces on their roster. Decent pieces. They'll probably finish second in the division. But, yeah, that's about it. Starling Marte had a very nice year last year. Or, no, Cattell Marte had a very nice year last year. They got Starling Marte from Pittsburgh this offseason. Cole Calhoun is there as well from Los Angeles Angels. But yeah, that, that's your best chance to beat the Dodgers is them. The Rockies pitching still very bad. He got Arenado there, but as you saw, he can't carry them by himself. They need some sort of pitching. The Giants are going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. And the Padres, I think, are going to be improved. Got the best farm system in all of baseball. They'll be very good shortly, but not this year. You got Eric Hosmer, Jerkson Profar. You got at second base. You got Brian Dozier this offseason. Manny Machado, Francisco Tatis are still there. Tommy Pham you got from Tampa Bay. Trent Grisham, Will Myers, Franchi Cordero, Francisco Mejia. You got all these very talented pieces. Just need to get the rest of your young players up through the farm system. And then they can actually start challenging and making some real noise. Maybe they make some noise this year. Because when the Cubs made some noise in 2015 they weren't supposed to make it that year they weren't supposed to do anything that was when like where it was the transition period where they start bringing up the young players not like let's actually challenge teams that might be what the Padres do Padres going back to their brown and yellow uniforms this year maybe they poop all over the competition (laughs) but they got talent The, the Padres got talent Tatis one of the best young players in all of baseball will be leading this team off, hopefully for their fans' sake, into the promised land. Will be leading off for them. He's got some ugly dreads, but you know what? If he gets them to the playoffs, he can look like whatever he wants. Very talented player. Machado, for the money he gets, got paid at a down year. 256 batting average for a guy who's getting paid as much as he is. You would expect that to be up a little bit, but it wasn't. But you know what? They could maybe challenge this year. If not, they'll definitely push the Dodgers more next year. 
So those were my NL teams. We have the Braves, Cubs, and Dodgers winning their divisions. And the wildcard teams in order are the Nationals, Mets, Phillies, and Reds. I think the Cardinals could, Cardinals or Brewers could push the Reds. Maybe the Brewers sneak into the playoffs. Because they still got, if Yelich is healthy, they've got a chance. Their pitching wasn't great last year. Cardinals got better pitching. So maybe they push them a little bit more. But I think the Reds will get that last wild card spot. So those are our playoff teams for the Logan Blackman Show playoff prediction thing, I guess. So there we go. Read them off again. Yankees, Twins, Astros, Rays, Angels, A's, White Sox. Maybe we'll flip the A's and Angels. You can flip up. We'll flip the A's. A's will be the second wild card spot. Angels will be the third, followed by the White Sox. The NL is the Braves, Cubs, Dodgers, the Nationals, Mets, Phillies, and Reds. That's my wild. That is my playoff predictions. And now for the playoffs in the wild card games, or the first round of the playoffs, much like the NFL with their new playoff system, the first, the number one overall seed gets a first round bye. So we got the Yankees and the Dodgers as my number one seeds in the playoffs. Moving on to the next round and all the other teams playing each other. So this is wild card number two versus number three. Uh, wild card or, uh, two versus four. Then we got three versus three. And then the wild number one wild card team versus the number two wild card team. So in this one, the Rays, I have them beating the Oakland Athletics. So the Oakland Athletics are now the two seed. Rays over the A's. Uh, the Twins over the Chicago White Sox and the Astros beating the Los Angeles Angels. The NL side, we have the Nationals beating the Mets in a pitching matchup. DeGrom, Bert, actually, you know what? We might have the Mets winning that one. Because if it's a pitching matchup, it'll be DeGrom versus Scherzer. And those are very close. I think I would give the edge to DeGrom. But if you want the hitters, you'd probably favor the Mets in that one. So I'm going to go actually with the Mets beating the Nationals in that round. We have the Braves over the Reds and the Cubs over the Phillies. The divisional round for the Yankees will be the Yankees versus Rays. Yankees over the Rays. And the Astros beat the Twins in that one. And for the NL, the Dodgers will t- will beat the New York Mets. And the Braves will beat the Chicago Cubs. For the AL Championship game, we have the Yankees over the Astros. And the Dodgers over the Braves. I think that one goes to seven games, Braves-Dodgers. And the Yankees beat the Dodgers in the World Series, and I'm going to give it to Gliber Torres as the World Series MVP. So those are my MLB playoff predictions for 2020. We'll see if that actually makes sense, if it actually works out like that. We'll have to see. And before we close off this little portion of the show for right now, we got some awards to give out as well. So those are your the playoffs, what have how the playoffs will shape out and all that stuff. Here's some awards we'll give out. We'll start off with the AL. AL MVP, Mike Trout. He is the best player in all of baseball. Even if the Angels don't make the playoffs, he wins the MVP. If they make the playoffs, he's guaranteed an MVP, I would think. So, yeah, Mike Trout wins the MVP. I think Aaron Judge could push him a little bit, but Mike Trout has got this thing on lockdown. For the AL MVP. Um, for the AL Cy Young, I got Garrett Cole for the Yankees. Going to the World Series, I think he should have won the Cy Young last year over Verlander, but he didn't. Motivated going into this season, I think he wins it for the Yankees there. 
AL Rookie of the Year, I was stuck between two. Luis Robert from the White Sox and Joe Adele. Joe Adele from the Angels. Both will be nice pieces to the roster, but I think Robert will be in the roster day one. Adele, I don't think Wilkes. The Angels outfield, as of right now, is more set than the Chicago White Sox outfields. Because if you look at the Angels outfield right now, you got Mike Trout there, Justin Upton's there as well, and then Brian Goodwin. You might be able to push out Brian Goodwin. It was a younger player, or young-ish, er, player. I don't know. He's not really that young. He feels young, but you could push him out maybe. But two, he hit 17 home runs last year at 262, and as of right now, he's not in the opening day roster. I think uh, Robert will, so I have him winning the rookie of the year just over Joe Adele. I think Adele will be a nice piece late season for the Angels, but if he gets called up, Day one, he'll be a close challenger to Robert. And then AL Manager of the Year, Joe Madden for getting the Angels to the playoffs. Yeah, I have that. And then Kevin Cash for pushing the New York Yankees as much as he did with a far less talented roster on paper. It's far less talented. But still pushing them nonetheless, getting them that close. Maybe Aaron Boone in there as well for getting the Yankees back to the World Series. Maybe he could get thrown in there as well but I'm gonna go with Madden there for the NL I got Ronald Acuna winning the MVP uh he's just an absolute beast Ronald Acuna is it's a formality that he wins an MVP at some point in his career he will win one so if it's not this year it will be the next year or the next year he will win one eventually he hit 41 home runs last year and 101 RBIs while hitting 280 if he gets his batting average up a little bit it's of formality that he wins the MVP. He's going to win an MVP at some point throughout his career. And why not next year? Or why not this year, I guess? If not, then you got reigning MVP Cody Bellinger. It's going to be sniffing around there. Uh, Javier Baez, I think, is also going to be sniffing around there if the Cubs get back to the playoffs. I, I would love to see Javi get an MVP. If he keeps his batting numbers up, average up, he could definitely push for one of those MVP trophies. But I think it's for Acuna this year. The NL Cy Young Award, uh, Jacob DeGrom for three-peat. First time that's been done since Randy Johnson in the 90s into the 2000s. I'm going to have him going for a third one. Because if you look at the Cy Young Award, people will usually give it to... Like if a pitcher is the best out of a group that's not very much, they'll give it to that guy. So, like, if you have a full unit that's very good, it's hard to give it to one guy. But with Noah Syndergaard going down and with Wheeler going to Philly, I think DeGrom would have a very good shot at winning this again. Uh, Max Scherzer, he was my winner for the award last year. So, we'll see if he can get it this year. But I have him coming second to DeGrom. And then Walker Bueller for the LA Dodgers. It's pretty much the same thing that happened last year. DeGrom, Scherzer, and then a Dodgers pitcher. Last year was Ryu. This year, it's Walker Bueller. I think he could definitely push these two, but I'm going to give it to Jacob DeGrom, who I think is the best pitcher in all of baseball. Uh, NL Rookie of the Year, I think it's for Gavin Lux, second baseman for the Dodgers. If not, Carter Kaiboom will be up there as well, replacing Anthony Rendon. It's big shoes to fill. There's a lot less pressure on Gavin Lux than there is on Kaiboom going into the season. Gavin Lux has a lot of very talented players around him. Kai Boom has talented players around him, but not as plentiful as 
luck, so there's not as much pressure on him. But replacing a guy who had a season like Rendon did last year, coming off a World Series championship, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. So if he does well, I would see him winning the trophy. But if not, I think Gavin Lux, this is his, he's the favorite to win it in my eyes. And manager of the year, uh, Brian Snitker for the Braves, getting them the NL championship game, getting an MVP in there in Ronald Acuna. I think it definitely get talked about there. I could put Sokura Soroka in there for the NL Cy Young Award as well. Young pitcher, very talented young pitcher. Uh, but Snitker might be the best manager in the NL. So I'm going to give him the manager of the year award this year. Luis Rojas could get it for the Mets for getting them to the playoffs. David Bell could get them for the Reds, get them in the playoffs as well. Maybe look at David Ross for getting them back. Or Joe Girardi for getting the Phillies back in the playoffs. Just the teams that could push for playoff spots that haven't been there in a while. But those are my award winners. We went through the entire season, or not the entire season, but went through my division winners, went through each team pretty much and talked about why they are going to finish where they are. If I did the, if I was spitballing right now, just for final standings, for the AL East, uh, Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Orioles, very boring one, AL Central, Twins, White Sox, Indians, Royals, Tigers, AL West, Astros, A's, Angels, Rangers, Mariners, uh, NL East, Braves, Nationals, Mets, Phillies, Marlins, NL Central, Cubs, Reds, Brewers, Cardinals, Pirates. I don't like that order at all. I might I might have to change that up a little bit. And NL West, Dodgers, um, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Giants. Just for fun, just to throw the Padres up there. I think they could do something, make a little tiny bit of noise this year. Maybe not a lot, not enough to push for a playoff spot, but enough. Maybe you could flip the Diamondbacks with them. But I, I'm set with the Rockies and Giants coming second to last and last of that division. But that's what I got just spitballing it right now that might change once we get closer to the NLB, MLB season. Hopefully, that's more around the corner than what we think. I'm just hoping for a season. That's all I'm hoping for. I don't care when it starts. I don't care how many games there are. I just want a 2020 MLB season. I love baseball. I love the Cubs, and hopefully, if there's a season, the Cubs can actually push for a World Series crown this year. So those are my predictions for right now on this May 13th edition of the Logan Blackman Show. We'll come back. We got our quarterback tier list, rank not tier list, but quarterback rankings list, top 10 favorite teams going into the season, or my uh, teams that are interesting, most interesting teams going into the season. Original idea, didn't steal this from anybody else. So with that being said, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more Logan Blackman show right after this. Welcome back, everybody, to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman show. We just got about 50 minutes left in today's programming, and I hope you all are having a fantastic day. Whatever whatever day you're listening to this on, or happy morning, happy night, happy evening, happy week, happy month, happy year. Just have a good overall day. Have a good overall life, I guess, so you could say. So, yeah, we're going to close out the show. We got 50 minutes or about 50 minutes left in today's program. It might go over, might go under. I don't know. We'll just have to play it out. So, with this next segment, I so on when, on Monday, I said I was going to rank all 32 starting quarterbacks, whoever their starter is going to be or projected to be on day 1. That's what we were going to rank. But I decided to do something different. It's the same thing, 
Same principle, but different at the same time. So we'll get to that one in a little bit, but I also wanted to do this. Uh, since we redid, we went through the entire NFL schedule on Friday, I believe, and predicted what teams would finish with what record, and so on and so forth. Obviously, that's not very accurate because it's definitely going to change by the time fall comes around, whatever football season comes around. This is a way too early thing. There's no injuries that we know about. Nobody's gone through practices. We haven't heard anything from any coaches. The rookies haven't gotten anything yet. So we don't really know how good these guys are because they haven't been together with their teams yet. But one thing we did not do during that time was make a uh, predict rewards a way 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 too early awards section of the logan blackman show may 13th edition so we did the the schedule last week now we're going through awards way too early this is going probably change in the fall so just be aware of that happening or possibly happening it might change it might stay the same but it might also change more of a possibility that it would change than stay the same more things change the more they stay the same i guess you could say uh, but for the MVP, I'm going to Patrick Mahomes and I think Patrick Mahomes, and I've said this before. So going through the quarterback tier list ranking or rankings, whatever you want to call it, it's not going to come to surprise to anybody that I have Patrick Mahomes, my number one quarterback, because he is unquestionably the best quarterback in the NFL, pure quarterback in the NFL. He's the best. Yes. Lamar Jackson won a unanimous MVP second time ever in NFL history. He had a great season last year, led the league in touchdown passes, but Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Won a Super Bowl last year, Super Bowl MVP, regular season MVP, getting a second MVP. I said this on the show before, I talked to my dad about this, and when it's all said and done, could he be the greatest quarterback of all time? And I think he might be on pace for that. Super Bowl in his second year as the full-time starter, MVP in his first full season as the starter, what does the rest of his career hold? And I hate the Chiefs. I hate everything about the Chiefs. I hate their colors. I don't really care for their... The fans are annoying, like Cowboys fans, but Midwesterners, so we have more of them here. I have a lot of friends that are Chiefs fans, so I, I can say that. <laughs> uh, but Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, and they're arguably the best team in the league. I mean, you could push around whichever one. They won a Super Bowl, so it's hard to argue against that. But overall team, you might be pressing to say other people, but whatever. Uh, other people I consider for this, Lamar Jackson, obviously, as we said earlier, second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. He's got to get talked about in this. It's a He has to get talked about in it. You don't come off a, the second ever unanimous MVP season in NFL history and not be talked about in the MVP race again. So he's got to get talked about there. Christian McCaffrey, I feel, has to get talked about in there as well. Uh, had an amazing season last year, but just Lamar had a more amazing season last year. Uh, Russell Wilson, I found this out, has never received an MVP vote throughout his entire career. That's crazy to me. I think that's absolutely crazy to think about, that Russell Wilson never received an MVP vote. Derek Carr has received an MVP vote, and Russell Wilson has not. Just think about that. That is absolutely crazy to think about. I think he's got to get at least some vote in here. And I saw, I don't remember where I saw this, but Dak Prescott is the betting favorite to finish third, or is the third betting favorite to win MVP behind Lamar and Patrick Mahomes. 
So Russell's behind him. That's weird to think about. But those are my ones I thought about moving up to that one. Uh, Josh Allen, obviously, obviously. Uh, coach of the year, I'm giving it to Sean McDermott, head coach of the Buffalo Bills. If he gets the Bills to win the division, which they are the favorites to do, and gets them a home field playoff game, and for what he's done overall throughout his career as a Buffalo Bills head coach, I think it'd be hard not to give him the award for coach of the year. If you improve off the 10-game season they had last year and win the division and get a top seed in the playoffs, he has to win coach of the year. I think Vic Fangio could be a dark horse to win it with the Broncos. Uh, A lot of people expect them to be much better this year with all the weapons they had on offense. Cliff Kingsbury could be a dark horse as well if the Cardinals sneak into that last playoff spot. Because again, there's seven playoff spots this year for each division or each conference. So they could sneak into that. And a lot of people have the Cardinals going around 9-7 and seven or f- around 500. So he could be, if they make the playoffs and make a decent run, he could be in the conversation. And then you obviously got like your your normal people like Sean, your Sean Payton's, your um, John Harbaugh's. Bill Belichick's got to be thrown in there as well for with life without Tom Brady. He's going to be talked about in the coach of the year category. So he could be, he could win it as well. But those are like the main people, but I think there could be also other people. You got, um, yeah, you got multiple people. Maybe Matt LeFleur gets it this year. We'll have to wait and see, though, but I have Sean McDermott winning it as of right now. Offensive player of the year, usually it is either the MVP or the guy that comes second in the MVP or like a running back or something. So for this one, instead of going lazy and just saying Patrick Mahomes, which if he wins the MVP, he may very well win the offensive player of the year. But I'm going to give it to Christian McCaffrey. I could easily give it to Patrick Mahomes, but I'm going to give it to McCaffrey here. I just think he's going to have a great year. This year. Now that I say that, I probably jinxed him. So knock on wood. But let's just say he went. He does, he, let's just say he does bits this year and goes off. He has to be in the conversation for Offensive Player of the Year. Then you got Patrick Lamar, Russell Wilson, Michael Thomas is going to get thrown in there as well. Got a lot of people. You could put in there, but I'm going to give it to McCaffrey or Mahomes, depending on which direction they want to go in that one. Defensive player of the year, uh, I think he could have gotten it last year, but I'm going to go with uh, TJ Watt for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If the Steelers go back to the playoffs, a lot of it will be riding on the success of their defense. Their defense carried them throughout a vast majority of their season last year. You have quarterbacks such as Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges playing back there. Your offense isn't going to be that great, especially without Le'Veon Bell, especially without Antonio Brown and a very injury-prone James Conner last year. Your offense wasn't going to do a lot, and their defense carried them to a 500 record. So big kudos to the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense last year. And if their offense is clicking, then their defense could, a lot of pressure is taken off their defense and could give them a chance to thrive more. So TJ Watt, I think, could be a very good shout for Defensive Player of the Year. You obviously got Aaron Donald, who I think is the best overall player in the NFL. He's going to be up there as well. The Rams, I don't know if they're going to be that great this year, but he'll be talked about in that realm of Defensive Player of the Year. Stephon Gilmore won the award last year, could very well win it again. Trey White, cornerback for the Bills, has a very good chance of winning it as well. I think Stephon Gilmore and Trey White are the two best corners in the NFL as of right now. So one of those two, I think, could be in the conversation for that as well. I'm going to give it to TJ Watt on this one. Uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'm going to go Joe Burrow. Because out of all the other quarterbacks that got drafted, none of them are going to start day one other than Joe Burrow. 
So I think that gives him an edge over the quarterbacks that are playing. I don't think Tua, I don't think Herbert, I don't think Jordan, well, I know Jordan Love won't play. Jalen Hurts will see minimal action, but will play. Eason won't play. From definitely won't play. Uh, Morgan, Tanner Morgan over the New York Jets won't play. You would imagine unless Donald gets hurt. But, yeah, out of the quarterbacks, which this award usually goes to a quarterback, yeah, I have him winning it. No running backs are really standing out for me. Clyde Edwards-Alaire fits what the Kansas City Chiefs want to do. So he could be in the shot up there. And I also have Jonathan Taylor with Indianapolis Colts. We'll see how he does, see what they do with him and Marlon Mack. Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs in all of college football, will be either the featured back or have a very high carry amount for the Indianapolis Colts next year. But I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire could be talked about. J.K. Dobbins could be talked about up there as well. Uh, What other people could you have? Uh, C.D. Lamb. With the Dallas Cowboys, a big threat for the Dallas Cowboys down there. Big wide receiver that could that Dak could get the ball to. I think that could be a shout there. But I'm going to go with Joe Burrow winning the uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year in his first year. Defensive Rookie of the Year, I think the obvious one's Chase Young. Much like last year, the number one pick and the number two pick win the Offensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Chase Young, very talented defensive player who's a lot of people consider to be better than the Bosa brothers who both won rookie of the year before Chase Young did both have been dominant DN Nick Bosa was dominant all of last year Joey Bosa has been a beast ever since he came into the NFL so you would think it would be Chase Young other people you could talk about um Isaiah Simmons for the Cardinals he'll add another element to the Cardinals defense that was needing that other piece to their defense I think you could talk about Patrick Queen and what he could do for the Baltimore Ravens defense and Kenneth Murray with what he could do for the Chargers defense who have been needing someone that could tackle for years. So Kenneth Murray could be a shout thrown in there, but I think Patrick Queen would be a better shout for what the Ravens are going to do on defense. Uh, AJ Epineza, second round pick for the Bills, I think could be talked about in there as well. Uh, First round talent just had a bad 40 time, so he dropped to the second round. It's a shame that that works out like that, but that's just how the NFL views players nowadays. Maybe you could look at uh, Jeff Akuda or C.J. Henderson in there as well. Maybe Damian Arnett wins it for the Raiders. Maybe we have a surprise one in there. But I think the obvious one is Chase Young. I think it's just too obvious. So Burrow, Chase Young for Rookie of the Year. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defense Rookie of the Year. I think Joe Burrow is more of a lock than Chase Young because there's a lot of good defensive players that came out of this draft class. That we've mentioned. I haven't even mentioned the likes of Derek Brown, Kaylee Von Chison, Javon Kinlaw is going to have a huge role for the San Francisco 49ers defense. Got a lot of very, very good defensive players coming. Xavier McKinney, Grant Delpit, uh, Kyle Duggar. Like, you have some very, very good defenders out of this draft. So, I think Offensive Rookie of the Year is more of the one that I'm more comfortable with than the defensive one. Though, it is obvious to say Chase Young will win off Defense Rookie of the Year. And comeback player of the year, um, I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. Had a very injury-plagued season last year for the New York Giants. Didn't really have that great year last year, but I think he could have a very bounce-back year this year. The Giants added two offensive tackles in the draft, and Andrew Thomas and Pert from Connecticut. So you could see them adding an impact to their offensive line. Uh, Zeitler, I think, is still there in the for the Giants. Give them a big boost there as well Giants O-line's improving not vastly improved but 
Saquon Barkley is a nice little safety net for second-year quarterback Daniel Jones. I think other people you could throw in here, Derwin James for the Chargers was a first-team All-Pro in his first year in the league, got hurt and didn't play a lot last year. So him coming back could vastly improve the Chargers' defense. So that will be a huge lift for them. Ben Roethlisberger, I think, is the current favorite to win the Comeback Player of the Year award. And if he plays good, there's no reason the Steelers shouldn't make the playoffs because they may almost made it with Mason Rudolph and Doug Hodges as their quarterbacks. And you have Mitchell Trubisky, who I think could be a very dark horse one. Because if he comes back, everybody was writing him off last year. And I saw something on Instagram who compared Alex Smith's stats in his first three years to Trubisky's. The difference is Alex Smith had the help of Jim Harbaugh, who believed in Alex Smith. Matt Nagy don't believe in Mitch Trubisky. So that's the big factor here that separates those two. Because in the first three years, Trubisky has had better success than Alex Smith. And it was widely considered that Alex Smith wasn't that good in his first three years of league. Granted, I don't think he played a lot his second year. So those stats might be a little bit skewed there. But Matt Nagy doesn't like Trubisky. It's plain and... Plain and... Plain, plain and clear and I don't know what I'm trying to say I think it's pretty obvious just say it like that but he could shock us and win comeback player of the year but I'm gonna go with Barkley there unless I'm forgetting somebody am I forgetting anybody I'm gonna do a quick think throughout my think in my head right now Nick Foles might win it maybe uh I'm analyzing throughout the league I don't think I'm missing anybody Maybe I am. I think Barkley is my pick for that. So go through this again. Mahomes for MVP. Sean McDermott for Coach of the Year. Uh, Mahomes or McCaffrey for Offensive Player of the Year. TJ Watt, Defensive Player of the Year. Joe Burrow for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Chase Young for Defensive Rookie of the Year. And Comeback Player of the Year, Saquon Barkley. So with that out of the way now, let's go through the thing that I've been looking forward to all day. All day I've been looking forward to doing this thing. And this is my quarterback rankings. The first one of 2020. Go looking forward to next year. I might have done one in January recapping the past season's quarterback play. But I don't remember. So first one dedicated to next year. And we've done a quarterback bracket. We've done that. We've been there. We've done that. That's not new. We've ranked quarterbacks a thousand times on this show feels like ever since we started it's been a quarterback dedicated show but this is a little different so like the bracket we got the quarterbacks in their division alphabetical order so we'll read through the quarterbacks real quick so for the afc north this is who i'm thinking is going to be their starter day one we have lamar jackson for the ravens joe burrow for the Bengals, baker mayfield for the browns and ben roethlisberger for the steelers afc south deshaun watson for the texans philip rivers for the colts Minshew for the Jaguars and Ryan Tannehill for the Titans. The AFC East, Josh Allen for the Bills, Ryan Fitzpatrick for Miami, Jarrett Stidham for New England, and Sam Darnold for the Jets. AFC West, Drew Locke for the Broncos, Patty Mahomes for the Chiefs, Derek Carr for Vegas, and Tyrod Taylor for the Chargers. Those are your AFC starting quarterbacks for the NFC. We have the Chicago Bears going with Mitchell Trubisky, who eventually will probably get beat. I can't decide between... Trubisky or Nick Foles I mean that doesn't have an effect on the rankings because I could interchange them like that so we're gonna go with uh, who would it be as of right now it's listed as Trubisky's the start so that's what we're gonna go with I think Foles might beat him out at the start of the season but 
We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Detroit, Matthew Stafford, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, pretty obvious ones there. NFC South, Falcons with Matt Ryan, Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater, New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees, and Tampa Bay with Tom Brady. NFC East, Dak Prescott for the Cowboys, Daniel Jones for the Giants, Carson Wentz for the Eagles, and Dwayne Haskins for the Redskins. And the NFC West, Kyler Murray for the Cardinals, Jared Goff for the Rams, Jimmy G for the 49ers, and Russell Wilson for the Seahawks. So what makes this different than a normal list? We ranked the quarterbacks in their respective divisions. So we went through each division, ranked the quarterbacks, took them out of their rankings, and put them in a list. So we have all the quarterbacks that are first in their division in Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3, Tier 4. So you get that. So we're ranking the quarterbacks in their division and then placing them and how they view, how they fare between the other people in the NFL. So it might there there might be some people that have uh, that might be in the second list that are better than people in the first list, but this is just going through division by division's best quarterback and then ranking them based on their peers or through their peers. So we'll start off with the bet. We'll just list the best quarterbacks or we'll rank them. So AFC North, we have Lamar Jackson as the best one. Obviously unanimous MVP. He's the best quarterback in that, in that division. Second was a tough one. Obviously is between Ben Roethlisberger and Baker Mayfield. Mayfield had a very bad season last year for his standard, but I'm going to base that a lot of the bad coaching and bad play calling. The Browns are much improved. Got Kevin Stefanski in there as the head coach. You got a much improved offensive line. And hopefully the view of the team is that you're going to be a power run team with Nick Chubb. At least that's what I would do if I'm the Cleveland Browns. New tight end in there. So you got good, two good tight ends there with Hooper and Njoku. Beckham, Landry, Nick Chubb. Like you got pieces to be successful. And so I had Baker Rayfield ranked number two. If this was two years ago. I'd probably still have Baker number two, but it'd be closer or be, be, be far. It's close. Now Ben Roethlisberger at number three, because he hasn't played in a year. And then Joe Burrow, because he hasn't played a single snap in the NFL. It's only fair. Uh, the AFC South went Deshaun Watson. Then we went with Ryan Tannehill, who was a big reason the Titans went to the AFC championship game last year. Then we went with Gardner Minshew and then Phillip rivers coming up in the rear. I think legacy-wise, Philip Rivers is would be like if you looked at the prime of his career, he'd be easily first or second in this list. But based off right now and the year he had last year, he's got to be coming in last. Minshew had himself a pretty decent year last year for the Jaguars, and Tannehill only went on to go to the Titans of the AFC Championship game. Granted, that was based off a lot of Derrick Henry's stats, but still had to do his part. So I had Tannehill at number two, Minshew three, Phillip Rivers four. AFC East, Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the division, followed by Sam Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then Jarrett Stidham, because Jarrett Stidham has barely played in the NFL. So we'll see how he does. I think he could be a very good quarterback in this league, but time will tell. As of right now, he hasn't played a lot, so he is by default last place in this race. AFC West, this one was a little harder. Patrick Mahomes is easily the best. And then for the second tier, I went with Drew Locke over Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is a very solid quarterback, but I think the Broncos feel more comfortable in their quarterback situation than the Raiders do 
with theirs. If you listen to the national media, but I had Derek Carr coming in third, and then Tyrod Taylor as the fourth quarterback in that division. But it was very, very close between Carr and Drew Locke. Moving on to the NFC, this one was very close to the top. Three very, very good quarterbacks here. I went with ugh, it's so close because it. If you're just asking the national media, you would easily say Aaron Rodgers, but it makes it so much harder to think if you actually look at what Kirk Cousins has done in Minnesota and stop looking at it like, oh my God, they overpaid for Kirk Cousins. But it's just, it's what we talked about a hundred times in the show. People have their narratives and they're not going to look past it at all. So if they view Kirk Cousins as a bad quarterback, then that's what it's going to be. He's going to be bad in their eyes forever. And... That's a little unfair to Kirk, because I don't know how you can't dislike. I don't know how you can't like Kirk Cousins. Very likable guy. But I am going to go with A-Rod there. Kirk Cousins so close to coming in sec- first there, but he comes second. Then Matthew Stafford, followed by Mitchell Trubisky in last. But you could throw in Nick Foles there as well. It'd stay the same order. AFC, NFC South, another very, very tough one. Three very, it's unfair to Teddy Bridgewater, but the three quarterbacks in this division, Ryan, Breeze, and Brady, it's unfair to rank. It, you can't unrank. You can't move these guys down. I don't know. But for this one, it was so hard, but I went with Drew Breeze, Brady, Matt Ryan, Teddy Bridgewater. But as we go through the list, you'll see how close I had Teddy, uh, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady's older. It's very close, and if you're judging Tom Brady off his career, he's the best of all time. He's the greatest quarterback that ever played the game of football. But if we're going off recency, it's very close between him and Matt Ryan for this spot. Brady did not have a good year last year. Basically, it was basically based off of the fact that he didn't have any wide receivers for him, but he did make some bad reads here and there in his time. His last year in New England, I expect him to have a very nice year in Tampa Bay this year with the weapons they have on the outside for him. Uh, the NFC East, uh, this one I thought was pretty easy. Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. I think that one was pretty easy. And then the NFC West, a little harder, but I had Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Jared Goff for that rankings. So yeah, those were my rankings of the quarterbacks in the division. So now let's go through our tier list. So tier one, as we said, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, and Russell Wilson. Those are the quarterbacks. The rankings, I put Patrick Mahomes is number one. Don't need to explain that one that much. I put, this one was very, very close. And we've said this before on the show. My top five is locked, but you can flip around the quarterbacks if you want to. Um... I went with Russell Wilson, number two, Lamar at three, Deshaun, four, Carson Wentz, five. But I think you could flip Russell Wilson to Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz. You could flip either one of those with those two. But that's what I have them as. Uh, Number six, I have Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers at seven, and then Josh Allen, eighth. I mean, Josh Allen's done the least out of all these guys here, but I think he could still be a top 10 quarterback regardless of whatever I, he's Josh Allen 
is going to get looked at in a negative light no matter what he does. He always will. That's whatever. I think you'll have a great year this year and get actually put in the top 10 this year. But as we're looking at this list right now, in tier one, he had to come in last. I mean, it just, it was unfair because he's put up against a lot of really, 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 really good quarterbacks. But I think his development's taking place nicely. He improved immensely from year one to year two. I expect the same thing to happen in year three. Uh, In tier two, it was Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, and Kyler Murray. Uh, And this one, I had Kirk Cousins number one um, because look at what he does. He's like, I think, uh, something on Instagram, what did it say? He has thrown 25 touchdowns. He's the only quarterback to throw 25 touchdowns in like the past however many. I, I can't remember what it was. Kirk is very underrated. He gets paid a lot of money, but through the eyes of the national media, he is an underrated quarterback. I would have him number one in this second tier list, very close to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Number two is Dak Prescott. I have him just below Kirk Cousins, very close between him and Kirk Cousins, but I think Kirk's a better quarterback than Dak, but it's very close there. Uh, Then we get very close. We get a lot of young guys and an old guy, but right now, based off what we learned last year and going into this year, I had Kyler Murray, number three, on this list, followed by Sam Darnold at number four, then Baker Mayfield at number five, Drew Locke at six, Ryan Tannehill at seven, and then Tom Brady at eight. This is based off last year. This isn't based off going into this year. Like we, Tom Brady, I don't know how many times I could say this, is the greatest quarterback of all time. But last year was the worst year he's had in a long time a very very long time it was one of the worst years for Tom Brady I respect Tom Brady I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time but last year was not his best year last year he threw 4,000 yards very admirable 24 touchdowns 8 picks with a 53.7 QBR and had a low of 60.8 completion percentage which is as low since his 2013 season where he threw 60.5 since then 64 64 67 66 65 60 and his touchdown total of 24 was the lowest since discounting his year he played one game in 2008 since 2006 when he played when he threw 24 touchdown passes Last year was not Tom Brady's best year. I I respect Tom Brady. I will always respect Tom Brady. But in this list, in this regard, he did not have a better season than Ryan Tannehill, which is very sad to say with Tom Brady. But now that I'm looking past Tom Brady even a slight, a little bit, he's probably going to go on to win the MVP. Because that's just what Tom Brady does. He's got that killer mentality just like uh, Michael Jordan did and his time in the NFL or in the NBA. Ryan Tannehill last year completed 70% of his passes. Granted, he threw a lot less passes and threw 22 touchdowns and six picks last year. He had a great year last year. And we'll see if he can carry that on into this year. The reason I had him below Drew Locke, because the potential of Drew Locke is very, very, very high. And with the weapons they've got for him in Denver. There's no reason he should not have a great year 
for this upcoming season. He didn't do a lot last year. Completed 64% of his passes, seven touchdowns, three picks. But potential, I think he is better than Ryan Tannehill. Now, you could flip-flop him and Tannehill. I think one through five are locked, but you could flip-flop seven and six. But, yeah, maybe you would put Tannehill at number six. But I think I'm set with this. So, Kirk Cousins, Dak, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Drew Locke, Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady. And then for our tier, our third list, we had Ben Roethlisberger, Gardner Minshew, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones, and Jimmy Garoppolo. So here was the list for this one. Number one was Matt Ryan. I thought it was unfair to put Matt Ryan at this low. Matt Ryan had a pretty decent season last year for how bad the Falcons were all of last year. He had himself a very nice season. 26 touchdowns, 4,400 yards passing. Did throw 14 interceptions, though, which is not great. But, I don't know. You could put him a little bit higher, but I felt bad for him there. Matthew Stafford, he was having himself a great season before he went down with his injury last year. He was having himself a very, very nice year. 19 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 2,400 yards passing, basically 2,500 yards passing last season. Completed 64% of his passes through eight games. He was having himself a very nice year. And you could probably flip-flop him and Matt Ryan, but that's my number one and two. Jimmy G is number three, getting the 49ers to the Super Bowl, but a lot of people view him as just a game manager, which if you're going to the Super Bowls, I don't think he really cares what his role is. He's going to the Super Bowl. I don't think he really cares how they get there. They're winning with Jimmy Garoppolo. You look at the 49ers without him, with and without him, they're a much better team with him in there than they are without him. It's just a fact. Look what they did last year without it. They were terrible. They had the second overall pick, for crying out loud. The year he's back, they go on to go to the Super Bowl. 13-3 and is their record with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starter last season. They finished 4-12 and the season he got hurt against the Kansas City Chiefs in week three. They he is a good court. Whatever you want, whatever your views are of Jimmy Garoppolo, he is a solid NFL quarter. He's a good NFL quarterback, and the 49ers are much better with him than without him. Uh number four, I had Oh, who do we want to put here? This one's a little tougher. Because Hmm. I'm trying to figure out how I want to view this. So it's Derek Carr and Ben Roethlisberger. I have Ben Roethlisberger ranked higher, but that's based off his career. I don't know if I would do that right now, coming off an elbow injury. So I'm going to have Derek Carr as my number four quarterback on this list, just because you don't know what Ben Roethlisberger is going to do coming back from his elbow injury. It's going to affect him a lot. Derek Carr threw 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions last season. For the then Oakland Raiders, completed a career-high 70% of his passes, threw his most touchdown passes since 2017, threw 19-10 and 10 last year, which he substituted the 10, 10 interceptions, just added two to his touchdowns, dropped two from his interceptions. He fumbled one time as opposed to 11 the season before, so he's a much improved quarterback than he was from the season before. So I have him as number four. Big Ben, I have as number five. We'll see how he does coming back from his elbow injury. Number six, I have Gardner Minshew, just above 
just above Daniel Jones in this list. Gardner had himself some good success last year in Jacksonville. 3,200 yards passing, 21 touchdowns, only six interceptions while completing 60% of his pass. Now, you want that completion percentage to go up, but that's not a terrible, those aren't terrible numbers, especially playing in Jacksonville. Daniel Jones, in his first year as the starter for the New York Giants, fumbled an insane amount of times and threw 12 interceptions along the way as well. 24 touch, 24 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions, 12 fumbles. He fumbled six times running. He had 18 fumbles last year. 18 fumbles. We need those numbers to improve because if you listen to any head coach, you played any football in your entire life, the most annoying thing for head coaches is fumbling or offensive coordinators fumbling the football, especially coming from your quarterback. Daniel Jones needs to improve. He can't fumble 18 times next year. That is a no-go. I don't care if he lost 18 fumbles. He didn't lose that many fumbles. But the fact that you fumbled 18 times is not great. And the head coaches won't like that and don't like that. So you're going to have to improve on That's why Minshew's above. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick's number eight just because he's older. Uh, he did lead the Dolphins to five wins, which is way more than what anybody thought they would get last year. And then he led them in rushing at 100 years old. So very successful season for Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. I think he'll have some decent success this year as well, but I'm going to have to put him below the younger guys just based off potential. And then Tier 4, we had Joe Burrow, Phillip Rivers, Jarrett Sidham, Tyrod Taylor, Mitchell Trubisky, Teddy Bridgewater, Dwayne Haskins, and Jared Goff. So for this one, I had Teddy Bridgewater as my number one quarterback in this tier. I like Jared Goff, but I have him just below Teddy, Teddy, Jared, Jared Goff, number two. I think Teddy Bridgewater for this season, we'll see what they do next year, see if they go after a quarterback or not, fits what the Panthers want to do. He will. The offense they're going to be running in Carolina is very similar to the one that they're going to be running in New Orleans because Joe Brady, the new offensive coordinator, was who was the offensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers last year in their national championship run, also worked under Sean Payton for the New Orleans Saints as an offensive assistant, I think is what his official title was. So I think he can fit what the Panthers want to do for this year. We'll have to see what their plans are for him next year. Maybe Jared Goff should be number one on this list. I feel bad for putting Jared Goff on number two. I'm going to move. I'm going to flip flop. Jared Goff, number one, Teddy Bridgewater, number two, Jared Goff, uh, fell apart in the Super Bowl. playing. It was, he did. He didn't have a great Super Bowl, but basically you could just go around that saying that Sean McVay just got out coached by Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick makes you think that he's going to do something and makes you overthink something and causes you to struggle. Jared Goff had himself a bad season last year. 22 touchdowns, 16 picks. Not a great season last year for Jared Goff. So as a Rams fan, you'd want those numbers to improve. He dropped his touchdowns down by 10 from the season before and increased the interception rate by 4. He's added more interceptions to his game each year in the, in the league. Start off with 7, then 12, then 16. So you're going to want those numbers to go down again and touchdowns to keep on going up for him if you're an L.A. Rams fan. He got signed to a contract, so the Rams are locked into him, and I don't know what their potential is for this season because they lost Todd Gurley. I don't really know how good they're going to be this year. They were disappointing last year, 
They went nine and seven last year, which I thought they'd win at least 10 games, but yeah, you never know. And then Teddy Bridgewater last year, uh, nine touchdowns, two picks and his time as a starter for the New Orleans saints, a thousand yard, 1300 yards passing. Yeah. You can interchange him and Jared Goff for that number one spot in tier four, but they're going to be up there. Uh, Phillip rivers is number three. Uh, his veteran leadership that he provides for the Indianapolis Colts will be key for them moving forward. I think he's a big addition for the Indianapolis Colts for this season. I have Tyrod Taylor as number four. Good bridge quarterback. One of the best bridge quarterbacks in the NFL. He's another Alex Smith, pretty much. He's not going to lose you any games, but he sure isn't going to win you any games. So I have him at number four on this list, but the Chargers might win about 500 this year. They might go 500. That's my prediction for the Chargers this year. Uh, number five, I have Mitchell Trubisky. I think he gets a little bit of an unfair rap, but because he, he didn't have a terrible year statistically, but that's again, stats don't tell the whole story. So it's obvious the bears don't view him as the franchise guy. They didn't, they declined his fifth year option. They brought in the quarterback that the head coaches worked with before to push or, and eventually replace Trubisky. And we'll see what the Bears do with the quarterback next year. See where Trubisky goes next year if he stays in Chicago, which seems very unlikely, but still a chance. There's still a slim chance that there's happen- that's happening. Like Lloyd Christmas says in Dumb and Dumber, so you're saying there's a chance. Yes, even if it's minuscule, there's still a chance. So I have a number five there on this list. Then Dwayne Haskins at number six. Uh, Haskins showed promise at times last year, but also showed some downsides last year apparently his work ethic this offseason has been fantastic so we'll see how he does in year two as the Redskins quarterback but he threw seven touchdowns and seven picks in his time as the starting quarterback last year but he got beat up by a terrible offensive line that just got worse by losing Trent Williams which they already didn't have him last year but now they're just not going to have him at all so we'll see what he, how he does going in to year two as the full-times now, he's the full-time starter. They did bring in Kyle Allen. You would expect to push Dwayne Haskins, and Alex Smith is still there as well. So we'll see if Alex Smith can make his comeback and push those guys there, push Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen as well. Terry McLaurin's going to be a big target for him this year. So we'll see how he does going in to year two. Uh, number seven on this list is Jarrett Stidham. Just limited NFL action. He hasn't done a lot in his time playing, but Tom Brady rarely leaves the field. So it's not surprising that his NFL action hasn't been that great. 14 yards passing, one interception, which I believe was returned for a pick six. So, I mean, I think he could be a decent for the New England Patriots. He was good in college. So we'll see if that translates to the NFL, but the Patriots might very well be looking at a quarterback for next year's draft. But Jared Stenham has talent, so just don't don't overlook him. But he does might just be a placeholder for whoever they get next year if they go after QB next year. And then last, but I feel bad for him because he's last Joe Burrow just because he hasn't played a single snap in the NFL. I can't rank him above people that have played in the NFL because he, he hasn't done anything in the NFL yet because he hasn't played. So those are my lists. So we went through a full list, and I don't think this would be the order at all if I made a whole – one through 32 list of all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. But here's the list starting in tier one, Mahomes, Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, 
Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. Tier 2 reads as Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. We'll move up Ryan Tannehill the 6, Drew Locke, Tom Brady. Then in Tier 3, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, Gardner Minshew, Daniel Jones, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then Tier 4, Jared Goff, Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Rivers, Tyrod Taylor, Mitch Trubisky, Dwayne Haskins, Jarrett Stidham, and Joe Burrow. So that's your list right now for the Logan Blackman Show quarterback tier list thing. I don't really know what to call it. I guess it was just a regular list, but not at the same time. It's a little different than your normal rankings of 1 through 32, but it made it a little more fun. I thought I'd change it up a little bit instead of just reading off a 1 through 32 list. I thought this was more fun. I had more fun doing this last night than I did. Cause then you, you only have to rank eight quarterbacks at a time. You don't need to actually think and go through all 32 and go like, oh, this guy's better. Because if I'm doing that, I would rank Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott above Josh Allen. But we're not doing that because we only had to rank eight. So Josh went eighth. Kirk Cousins would have been technically ninth and Dak Prescott would have been 10th. But that's not what we did on this list. One through eight on four different tiers. I thought that was more fun. And it worked out a lot smoother than it usually does. So that is your quarterback list. You can criticize all you want. Don't view it as a one through 32. That's all I'm saying. View it as a one through eight, four different times. So you as a one thirty thirty two, that's going to make a lot of people mad. So I don't think there's a lot of people or the view. Most of the national media would not rank Josh Allen above some of the quarterbacks in tier two. That's just fact. And whether it's right or wrong, people wouldn't like that. So if you, if you view it like one through 32, you're going to get mad at the list, but that's on you. So now let's move on to our last talking point of today's show. And that is something that is a completely original idea. I didn't steal it from anywhere. My 10 most interesting teams going in to 2020. This is basically a list of going through what teams added, what teams lost, what expectations are, what not, what the expectations aren't, I guess. Or they're going through something completely different than they haven't in a really, really long time. So let's start off at number 10. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, they're number 10s. They won the Super Bowl last year. Uh, will they go through the Super Bowl hangover? Time will tell on that. Super Bowl hangover is a real thing. You see the Los Angeles Rams completely missed the playoffs last year. The New England Patriots lost in the first round of the playoffs last year. Those are your two Super Bowl teams that you had last year. And the Chiefs are... They're more talented, I believe, than those two teams are, especially on offense. But it's still a question that has to be asked. Will they be able to handle the expectations going into this year? Now you have a Super Bowl. Now you got to defend it. Can they? Time will tell. Los Angeles Chargers are my number nine team. Uh, can they stay healthy? And can they win with Tyrod Taylor? Chargers went 5-11 and last year. I fully expect them to be better than that this year. I think that they will win around 500 of their. I, th- I bet they'll go around 500 for their record. I bet eight and eight or nine and seven. Those are very realistic shots for the LA Chargers this year. But can they stay healthy? If they can't stay healthy, there's no way they're getting eight and eight. They'll probably be around six and ten. Derwin James needs to stay healthy. Their entire defense needs to stay healthy. They got pieces on defense, and Chris Harris got Kenneth Murray in the draft. Nasir Adderley barely played last year. Derwin James did not play. I don't, he barely played last year. You got Linval Joseph as nose tackle. Now to replace Brandon Meebane. 
So we'll see what the Chargers do this year. New and improved offensive line. New quarterback now. And Justin Herbert, will he play this year? That's another thing. Uh, number eight, the Dallas Cowboys. Dak con- Dak's contract. I was, <laughs> I was stumbling over my words there. Dak Prescott's contract. When will that get sorted out? And will they actually live up to the potential? I don't know. Cowboys have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL that got better this offseason. And you should expect them to go push towards the playoffs. Wouldn't you? At least make it or challenge for the division title. I saw people last year put in the Super Bowl. They missed the playoffs. I did not have them in the Super Bowl. I didn't know we're close to the Super Bowl. But they need to live up to their potential. There's no way the Cowboys should be losing to the Bills who are on the quarterback with their second year in the second year in the NFL in his first primetime game be losing to the Buffalo Bills in that fashion at home on your day and speaking of the Buffalo Bills number seven is the Bills they're the favorites to win the AFC East for the first time in my entire life so newfound expectations ESPN had four teams winning 12 games this year the Chiefs the Ravens I believe the Saints and the Bills. The 49ers might have been in there as well. I can't remember the exact list. Chiefs were definitely one of them. That's, that's what I do remember. But the Bills were in there. Newfound expectations have not been seen since Jim Kelly retired. No one's ever expected anything from this team in the 21st century. They went to their first playoff game in 17 years, two years ago. There's never been expectations on this team. And now they're expected to win 12 games by some people. It's high, lofty expectations. Can they handle the expectation going into the season where they're expected to win the division? Which is something that has not been uttered in Buffalo since Jim Kelly. So we'll see if they can handle that. Number six, the Green Bay Packers. Is this Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay? Because a lot of people around the Packers organization, a lot of experts view that the Packers think that Jordan Love is the next Patrick Mahomes, which means a one-year thing with Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love's not going to sit for three years, is what the media is saying. Jordan Love is not doing that. So, with them trading up to get Jordan Love, this is probably Aaron Rodgers' last year in Green Bay. And sadly, it probably means he's going to New England, which would pain me to see... I've also heard rumors of uh, Las Vegas as well. But this might be Aaron Rodgers' last year in Green Bay. They didn't really improve off the season before, which saw them go to the NFC Championship game and get smacked by the 49ers. They didn't improve. They didn't get any weapons on the outside. They didn't improve their offensive line. They got their future quarterback and a backup running back. So what will Rodgers do after this season? Will he still be a Packer next year? That's a big question mark going around Green Bay right now. Uh, number five, the Baltimore Ravens. They went 14-2 and two last year. Can they repeat that? Because on paper, their roster got better. They got Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf to improve their defensive line. They got Patrick Queen in the draft. You got J.K. Dobbins to help partner Mark Ingram to get some of the stress off Mark Ingram's shoulders. So will they expect will what will the expectations be for Baltimore going into the season? I think they should win around 12 games 
because it's very hard to go back on a 14-win season. Will teams be able to adjust to the Ravens' style of offense? That's another big thing there. The NFL learns very, very fast. Very fast. So they will be learning to adjust and adapt to the Ravens' style of offense and will sometimes be able to exploit that. So will they be worse? Probably. How much worse? Not that much. I think this is a 12-win team. They're still extremely talented. They've gotten better. Hollywood Brown is going to be there the entire season. He didn't play barely at all last year, and when he did, he wasn't healthy. So getting him back and healthy is going to be big. But I think 14-2 and is lofty. At best, I would probably say 13-3, and but now that I said that, I'll probably go undefeated. So time will tell. Uh, number four, the Arizona Cardinals. Are they the sleeper playoff team this year? Kyler Murray, one of the sleeper MVP choices this year. They got improved. Josh Jones, they got him in the third round, which a lot of people had going in the first round. I did not. I had him going early second round. But they got him in the third to help improve their offensive line and partner DJ Humphreys on the opposite tackle side. A lot of experience at Houston at, off, at left tackle spot. See which tackle spot he takes in the NFL. You got Isaiah Simmons, the most versatile player in the entire draft, who you list as an outside linebacker. So you view him to be that guy that can get pressure off the edge to partner Chandler Jones, which is something they have not had in a while. <laughs> and exterior pressure. So got Patrick Peterson. So expectations for the Cardinals are going to be better this year than what they have in years past. DeAndre Hopkins is there as well. So now you got DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, Akeem Butler is going to be back this year after missing all of last season with a wrist injury. You got Kenyon Drake, a full season there. You got Josh Jones and DJ Humphreys to help improve the O-line. Kyler Murray, Isaiah Simmons, Chandler Jones, Patrick Peterson. Like, you got pieces to be a very solid team and could be that sleeper playoff team this year. Could be that team like the 49ers. Now, they're not as talented on paper as the 49ers like they were the season before, but they got a progressive-minded head coach, fast-paced offense, the air raid offense, and their defense is slowly but surely improving, which is what they needed. I thought they would get whoever the Panthers didn't take at number six, they were going to, or number seven, they were going to take at number eight. I had the Panthers taking Isaiah Simmons, so they took Derek Brown. Either way, they were taking the best defender available, and that's why they ended up with Isaiah Simmons. I think that's a great piece for their defense and should help the Cardinals improve. Number three, the Cleveland Browns. Will they actually live up to expectations? Expectations this year are arguably going to be, it should be higher than what they were last year, though the fact they got Odell Beckham was a big reason why they the hype was so real. This year, hype's died down a little bit, but on paper, they're better than what they were last year. They improved their offensive line beginning Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills. They got Austin Hooper in free agent, or was it free agent or they traded for him? I can't remember. They're paired with Njoku. Nick Chubb is there, one of the best running backs in the NFL. Landry and Beckham are still there. Your linebacking core is a little weaker, but that, you lost Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey, but whatever. You still, Miles Garrett's going to come back. Greedy Williams, Denzel Ward are going to be there. Like, you got talent on this team. Will they actually live up to expectations? Expectations range anywhere from about 10 wins to about 7 for the Cleveland Browns this year. 
You would expect them to be closer to that 10 mark than the 7, but it's the Browns, so you never know. Number two, the New England Patriots. Life after Tom Brady. Jarrett Stidham's now the quarterback, as what it seems, or it's going to be Brian Hoyer or something like that. Will they be looking for a quarterback next year? Will it be Aaron Rodgers? Will Rodgers be their quarterback next year? Will Stidham prove that he's the guy to be in New England? Will New England, the first time in my entire life, they have not been favored to win the division? It feels like. They weren't really that good before Tom Brady got there, except for that one year they went to the Super Bowl with Parcells and Drew Bledsoe. But, you know, expectation for the Patriots, a lot of people have them going around 6-7 wins, which seems ridiculously low for the New England Patriots. But we'll have to wait and see. Life after Brady, this could be a little tougher than what Patriots fans are thinking. Got the greatest coach of all time still, so that's a big factor there. And then number one is Tom Brady's new team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Life after Mr. Interception, Jameis Winston, who got LASIK, so he could see now, but a little too late. Tom Brady's now the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With those weapons on the outside and Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, you got Gronk back in free agency or out of retirement, and O.J. Howard there. You got Tristan Wirfs to help improve the offensive line. See a bigger role for Ronald Jones this year. Finished the year on a hot note last year. See if he can continue that. Struggled his rookie year. Showed flashes last year. See what he can do as the full-time starter, if that's what they view him as. The Bucks' expectations are as high as they've been since their Super Bowl season with Brad Johnson as the quarterback and John Gruden as the head coach. Bruce Arians, for what Bucks fans are viewing as, this is going to be a fantastic season. And playoffs are bust for this team. Ten wins is what I'm expecting, at least, from this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. They won seven with Jameis Winston throwing 30 interceptions. That's insane, thinking about that. 30 interceptions still managed to win seven games. Expectations will be really high for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. So those are my most interesting teams going in to the new season. Let's read that list again. The Kansas City Chiefs at number nine, Chargers at number 10, Chargers at number nine. Will they win with Tyrod Taylor and can they stay healthy? Chiefs with Super Bowl hangover. Number eight, Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott's contract. And can they actually live up to expectations? Number seven, the Buffalo Bills. Newfound expectations that have not been seen since Jim Kelly was the quarterback. They are now the favorites to win the AFC East. Can they handle that? Can Josh Allen develop even further in year three? Number six, Green Bay. This is looks like Aaron Rodgers' last year in Green Bay. Is it? Will this affect the team? Will they be still one of the best teams in the NFL? Time will tell. Number five, the Ravens. They went 14-2 and last year. What are the expectations for this team this year? On paper, it looks like they got better. But will they finish 14-2 or probably will finish lower than that? But we'll have to wait and see. Will the NFL adjust? Or how will they hand, How will the Ravens handle the NFL's adjustments to the Ravens' offense? We'll have to see. Number four, the Arizona Cardinals. Are they the sleeper playoff team this year? Signed some good people. Drafted some good people. Got a very good young quarterback this year in Kyler Murray. See how the Cardinals handle those this year. So I'm expecting them to be that super playoff team. I had them winning, I think, nine games. So we'll have to see what they do. The Cleveland Browns, will they live up to their expectations? Will Baker Mayfield bounce back from his terrible year last year? 
Coaching for the Browns last year was atrocious. Now they got Kevin Stefanski in there. We expect them to right the ship. Off the line's improved a lot. Got another weapon in Austin Hooper. So the Browns, you expect them to be better, but will they? Because it's the Browns. Number two, the New England Patriots. Uh, the New England Patriots are life without Tom Brady. What will they be? Who's responsible for the dynasty? We'll have to see how they do with Jarrett Sidham going into this year and if they're looking for a quarterback going into next year. My gut tells me Aaron Rodgers, which just scares me. And number one, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Life after Jameis and life with Tom Brady. Life with the GOAT. See how they do this year. Expectations as high as they've been in years. So those are my top 10 most interesting teams going in to this season. You make your own list on who you think the most interesting teams in the NFL are and let me know what they are. But those are mine. We did all that stuff with the quarterbacks, teams, awards, MLB. I think it's time to wrap up today's show. I hope you all enjoyed today's show. Hope you all have a great day, great week, great month, great year, whatever. Just have a great whatever. And I will see you guys on Friday with a tier list for Friday, fun day Friday. And we should have a fun one. Fun days ahead. Have fun this week, and I'll see you on Friday. Peace.